this you know this kind of action on the part of the government in terms of uh, restricting certain people from their freedoms is, is almost reminiscent in a, in a very broad way of uh, of uh, Nazi Germany. You must leave the area immediately. If you refuse to leave the area, you will be arrested for North Carolina General Statute. Under North Carolina General Statutes. But the fact of the matter is, it is not okay what you are doing, and the people are not intimidated. If you have a good sheriff, however, they can stand in the gap. Podcast Le Renaissance. Today we have an interesting guest, Senator Bob Steinberg. He is the senator for District 1 in North Carolina. And uh, over the years I've reached out to his office a couple times and I just always have found him to be very responsive. And when I was looking for guests for this podcast, I thought, why not reach out to his office? The main reason I wanted to bring him on was to uh, discuss how the public can work with the representatives better and how representatives can better represent the public as they're meant to. And I also wanted to jump into some of the topics on vaccine passports and stuff, which at first I didn't know if he'd really be willing to discuss, but (laughs) to my surprise, he actually entered the conversation on his own accord and kind of jumped ahead and started answering the questions I already had, which is, what do you think about these vaccine passports and would you support something like that? I mean, needless to say... Um, he had a very candid opinion, and he didn't hold back, and I definitely appreciate that. This is what he had to say. Uh, I have uh, been in the General Assembly. I was elected in uh, 2012, and I served uh, three terms in the House. And then in 2018, uh, the Senate seat opened up in, in my district, and I ran for uh, the Senate seat and uh, won and then uh, was reelected uh, the last time. So uh, uh, when I complete this term, you're right, it will be uh, it'll be 10 years in the General Assembly. And I remember um, you were the you're probably the, only, the first person I ever called as far as representative. And that was like seven or eight years ago when there was the fracking issue was going on. Oh, golly. Um, I remember that. Yes. Uh huh. And I, I, you left me a message, but I thought it was like a recording. And I called your office back, and I was yelling at you on the thing. I said, you could at least call me in person and not leave a message. And you picked up. It must have been an old answer machine. 
<laughs> well, uh, yeah, we, we really strive uh, to uh, return our calls here and answer any of the mail that comes in, email and uh, snail mail. Uh, constituent service is job one in this office, and uh, I have someone uh, working with us, uh, my legislative assistant, Ed Stiles, who uh, who understands that, gets that. Uh, he's an Air Force guy, a military fellow, and he he understands uh, the importance of of communicating with uh, those folks uh, that we're uh, representing. Uh, it's it's very very frustrating for for people who uh, who would like to get in touch with their legislator and cannot. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, that was one of the motivating factors for me when uh, when I ran for office the first time was that uh, we had uh, folks representing us on all levels of government who uh, uh, you'd get the same uh, you get the same response back a form letter everybody would get the same letter and uh, it really I thought to myself if I ever serve an office, I didn't think I would be, but I said at that time, if I ever served an office, I certainly wouldn't handle things in this manner. I would strive to get in touch with uh, everybody I could personally. Now, logistically, that's often impossible, but certainly uh, we can make every effort to try and uh, take care of the issues that are of concern. That's what our job is. We work for the folks back home. It's not the other way around. My constituents don't have to kiss the ring, so to speak. I mean, uh, I'm I'm here for them to, uh, and my staff are here for them to, to try and assist them uh, in trying to negotiate uh, the layers of government to get answers to the questions they have. Right. Yeah, I've, I've always noticed that about you. Like, I I mean, I don't even know where you stand politically on things, but that's just one thing I've always noticed that. Um, you know, anytime I've had an issue, I can just come to you guys and you guys have some kind of response promptly. Thank you. That, that's, it's, it's really important. Uh, I think it's, it's the most important thing we do. It's what touches the folks back home. I mean, they, they don't forget it. Uh, and a lot of times, uh, you know, there may be a vote that they might not be happy with and uh, other issues that perhaps there's some level of disagreement uh, between me and them, or my position in them, but at the end of the day, even my worst political enemies, who happen to be my constituents, uh, <laughs> if they've got a problem, I'm going to do whatever I can to help them, because I see that as our job here, uh, is to take care of all of our constituents, not just the ones who support us. Right. Earlier this year, I had a, an issue with the smart meters being installed in the city, and I needed a response rather quickly because um they were gonna replace it within um like within that weekend or so I didn't get much of a warning, and so I was wondering what laws were available to uh, prevent such a thing or if I could. And I reached out to your office, and I guess you guys sent something out to the legislative an an I don't know what they're called. Yeah, legislative analysis. Yeah, yeah, they're they're of great help. We have uh, we have one of the best teams, I think, in the country. Uh, it's nonpartisan staff, and they are usually, uh, uh, you know, Johnny on the spot and will get us uh, the answer to some of these questions and bring clarity to it so that we know where we are as it relates to uh, statutes and so on and so forth. So 
we're we're very uh, fortunate here in North Carolina to have uh, the quality of people that we have working for the state and uh, legislative analysis. Yeah, I was shocked to have everything. It seemed like every law pertaining to the issue was brought back to me in an email within a couple of days. Yes. That was yes, pretty that's very good. Yeah, that's very good. And that's what we that's what we try to do. And as I mentioned, uh, Ed, uh, Ed is very, very good at that and uh, and follow up. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll be on the phone today a couple of times, uh, at least uh, trying to dot I's and cross T's on uh, some uh, low hanging fruit that's out there that uh, some folks are frustrated with. And we're going to try and get that uh, that addressed today. That's part of every day, actually. Mm hmm. And so, what, I mean, do you have any advice for constituents looking to address certain issues? Sure. Well, I think they what they need to do initially is to uh, is to find out who their legislators are, uh, and you can uh, Google uh, the uh, North Carolina General Assembly, and it will come up. Uh, a site will come up and it will uh, ha give you an opportunity to either um, check the House or the Senate to see who your member is. And, uh, and, and all of the contact information is on that site as to how you can get in touch with that individual. And I, I would encourage them, first of all, to be uh, aware of who those folks are. And uh, once they um, once they um, they do, uh, then they should reach out. If the legislator is a legislator that's worth their salt, they should they should get back to them uh, get back to them right away. Mm -hmm. And is that something I don't know how much you know about your colleagues and how they handle things? Is that something you think they're doing, or some of them are lacking in it, or? I, I won't speak for any of them. I would, uh, I, because I can't. I, I have all I can do to take care of uh, our district. We have the largest uh, district in the state of North Carolina. Uh, it is comprised of 11 counties in northeastern North Carolina. So uh, while uh, each one of the legislative districts and the Senate have the same population, uh, that's not true of uh, the number of counties they represent. For mm. example, every Senate district may have 200,000 people. Well, you, that, that may mean that you have uh, four or five uh, senators in, uh, in, in Wake County and some of the larger counties, uh, but you might have one senator uh, that's covering 11 counties. So mm. when you're covering uh, uh, that many counties, uh, what, what we have is a situation where the big, the, the folks who are sharing Wake, they have, they have one uh, sheriff's department, one board of education, uh, one board of commissioners, and so on and so forth. Well, with our district, we have 11 of each. So it's really uh, there's a, it's a, there's a lot of work involved, and uh, it means we we really we really have to hustle in those uh, in those rural districts. Have you found that there's some concerns that keep coming up over and over with the public lately? Or, uh, well, right now, I mean, folks are concerned about getting their kids back in school. Uh, that seems to be, uh, you know, obviously, I think they started back Monday in many jurisdictions, and uh, 
So they've got concerns about some of the uh, uh, COVID uh, uh, restrictions uh, and uh, as to how they might apply to their their child. And and we, uh, you know, we have left the decision-making up to the individual LEAs, which are the school districts. There's 150 mm-hmm. in the state of North Carolina. And they uh, – they they can make their own decisions as to whether, you know, what their modus operandi is going to be. So uh, it is um, it, it's causing some concern and some frustration with some folks. And of course, you have parents that want that think everybody should be masked, and and uh, uh, and then there's others that don't think their children should be masked at all. So it's you know it, it, it's really. A, a, this has created a lot of uncertainty uh, moving forward in terms of uh, being able to plan. And, of course, parents are concerned about their kids and so on and so forth. I get it. I get it. But you're not going to have with this or anything else, you're not going to have one size fits all. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe, I, I mean, I, I personally believe that uh, the decision is a personal decision. And yeah. that uh, just like getting the vaccine is a personal decision. Uh, if someone doesn't want to get the vaccine, they shouldn't be forced by the state or the government to get the vaccine. I don't think constitutionally they can be. Right. Uh, and um, but but there are we seem to be in, in some states moving in that direction uh, with these vaccine passports and so on and so forth. In Europe right now, it's it's really especially France. It's really getting bad. Uh, people that are not uh, vaccinated aren't being allowed to go into grocery stores and so on and so forth. So it's uh, this, you know, this kind of action on the part of the government in terms of uh, restricting certain people from their freedoms is, is almost reminiscent in a, in a very broad way of uh, of uh, Nazi Germany uh, back uh, in the years leading up to the Second World War, and then of course. Uh, with the um, persecution of the Jews, uh, those who were Jewish uh, had to wear the yellow star on their clothing and so on and so forth. So it's, uh, I think we have to keep a very close eye on what's, uh, on what's happening here. And there are some frightening aspects uh, in terms of our liberties and freedoms that I see uh, happening here that we, those of us who love freedom and liberty uh, and our Constitution, we need to do whatever it is we need to do to guard against those liberties and freedoms being taken away from us. That was kind of what I was going to get into next was these vaccine passports. And yeah, I mean, it is odd that you have the people, I've seen people make that comparison to where the Jews had to have the stars and then people get all offended about it. But I mean, it is strikingly similar when you're asking someone to have a piece of paper to get into buildings. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. And, and uh, it's, 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 it's very, it's very disturbing. Uh, and uh, again, uh, all people have to do is take a look at what's going on in France right now and other, other parts of Europe. And uh, that is what we are about to see here in the United States if we are not, uh, if we're not careful. And, and so we have to, uh, you know, we just have to make ourselves aware. Some people just unfortunately, sadly, will take and do whatever the government tells them to do uh, and just not want to resist, not even want to ask questions. Uh, and uh, that that's really, 
you know, when you no longer ask questions, then uh, you become, uh, you know, you're just like a piece of putty in the hands of the government, and you're going to become more dependent on the government, and as, as a result of being more dependent on the government, you are going to have less and less freedoms, and uh, your life is going to be orchestrated for you, what you can do and what you can't do. Uh, if that's the direction that people want this nation to go in, uh, they're certainly entitled to have that point of view. But I do not believe that most people in the country are, uh, are would like that. I know I wouldn't, that's for sure. Yeah, I think most people just kind of go along with it and don't take, pay much attention. Exactly. Exactly. Some cities like uh, New York City and San Francisco have already passed these vaccine passports for certain things. I believe Los Angeles is actually going to require it for even going into a grocery store. But then you have others. Yeah, I mean, yeah that's mm -hmm. absurd. I mean, uh, so people can't go in and and shop for groceries, for food that they need to survive uh, just because they haven't been vaccinated or they don't have this passport. I mean, you talk about totalitarian. Oh, my <laughs> God. I mean, that is just, uh, I mean, that is beyond the pale. And, uh People have no idea what is, uh, many people don't have any idea what's going on or what they can do about it. And the, and the thing that is the most important for each and every one of us is that we must make a concerted effort to stay involved and to stay informed as to what is going on. And don't rely on just one source of media. You need to get out there and you need to work. Uh, and try and find out what's going on, who's saying what and why, and then, uh, you know, implement something that we call common sense, which sadly seems to be disappearing in America today and throughout the world. Let your common sense and your instincts for survival, let them kick in and, and just, uh, it, you know, read these things, digest them, and see if it makes any sense to you, and see if this is the direction you want to you want to go in. Uh, and I would I would guess that a seventy percent of Americans uh, are, have no interest in, in moving in that direction. Yeah, exactly. I would think so too. On the flip side, you have states like Montana who actually uh, deemed that, as far as employment goes, that uh, private businesses cannot discriminate based on vaccination status, and they're the only state to have done so, so far. Could you see something like that passing in North Carolina? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say what, what will happen. Uh, you know, actions are driven by actions, and actions have consequences. So I think it depends on uh, the chief executive of the state uh, and how far he wants to take this thing. And if the legislature senses that there is an overreach on the part of the governor, then uh, then the um, it will it will do, I suspect, what it needs to do to try and uh, uh, confront that and challenge that. And and so that's kind of uh, we're 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 taking a look see, you know, these folks who. Um, who are being uh, told that they have to be vaccinated or they're not going to have their jobs. I, I have a problem with that. Now, what uh, the alternative to not being vaccinated is uh, that you uh, would be willing to be tested regularly to make sure you don't have the virus. And uh, uh, most of the folks that I've talked to 
said uh, they don't have any problem with that. Now, in full disclosure, my wife and I back in March received both shots of Moderna uh, mm -hmm. vaccine, and uh, we tolerated it very well. We're going into the month of September here very soon. So, uh, you know, you're talking about six months, and we have had no, really no reaction at all no negative reaction to it, and neither one of us has been ill. So um, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm in the age group of 65 plus, and I have some pre-existing conditions. So uh, I felt like uh, my doctor suggested and recommended highly that I get the vaccine, and my wife as well, and and we did. Uh, mm -hmm. So. Uh, uh, so far, so good. It's uh, everyone's personal choice, and it needs to stay that way. Is my biggest concern. Yeah, I agree with you. No, it's all about uh, individual freedoms. Now, I understand some of the hospitals have some concerns because they got their patients uh, who are coming in who are obviously ill. They're there for a reason, and uh, they would be extremely vulnerable uh, to anything. And mm -hmm. so. Um, you know, the hospitals want to take every precaution to protect those patients that they have been entrusted to care for. Uh, but I would remind the hospitals that all during COVID for the last year, these healthcare workers have been on the front lines, and many of them uh, did not have vaccines. So now uh, telling these folks, or they chose not to be vaccinated. And so now telling these folks they have to be vaccinated, I, I, I think is, uh, or else they won't have their job. I think that is, that, that, that's crossing the line. And uh, I, I think you'll see uh, courts at the very highest level uh, having to uh, weigh in on this before it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. And there was just one more brief uh, thing I wanted to touch on on a similar topic. Uh, House Bill 96, I don't know how much you remember about it. Uh, I think every senator voted yes on it. Um, okay. it, it specifically was about something about pharmacists being able to inject drugs into patients, but, um, right. where there was one little caveat in there where minors had to get consent from their parents for vaccinations, uh, passed under the emergency use authorization. Yes. Um, but Pfizer's just recently was approved fully by the FDA. So I guess that law would no longer apply to minors. So I, uh, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not certain about that. Uh, my, mm -hmm. my feeling is personally, my feeling is that a minor needs to have their parents approval period. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, it, uh, I mean, they are in the custody of their parents. Their parents know their children better than anybody else. We don't need. Uh, it takes a village. We don't. We don't need the folks, uh, the bureaucrats, to be making a decision as to whether someone's child uh, should be, uh, uh, you know, vaccinated or not. It should be forced. Certainly not forced to be vaccinated. I remember as a, a kid growing up in the 50s, we uh, we all received, uh, you know, our polio vaccines, polio shots, and so forth, and. Uh, and I remember being lined up in the gymnasium and everybody got them. And, uh, you know, there, there are certain issues here just to get back to the primary, I think, uh, intent of your question. 
and that is with the vaccine being approved now by the FDA, does that make this uh, either the legislation, the component of the legislation that you were talking about moot uh, or what? And uh, having an approved vaccine is a, is a different scenario than what we have been engaging in uh, over the last year plus with COVID uh, since the vaccine was developed. You know, these are these were not initially approved. Uh, uh, well, if not approved, they certainly had no history. There wasn't a long history for any of these vaccines, including obviously the one that my wife and I took, the Moderna vaccine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are some people that have a risk uh, of taking any vaccine. Uh, they mm-hmm. cause uh, illness or, in a worst-case scenario, death. But uh, but I'll tell you, I I don't um, I just I don't know. It gets back to personal freedoms, personal freedoms, personal freedoms, and and uh, uh, this I, I just have a problem when those uh, when those uh, when those freedoms are being infringed upon. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for taking your time out to talk to me today. Um, is there anything else you wanted to throw in there before we go? No, I, I certainly thank you for the opportunity this morning to be able to uh, to visit, uh, and uh, I, I certainly uh, appreciate the questions. And hopefully, uh, those folks who listen uh, to your podcast will uh, have a better idea of where I stand on uh, on these particular issues. And I'm glad to have had these fifteen or twenty minutes with you. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Sir. And that wraps up my uh, interview with Senator Bob Steinberg of District 1 in North Carolina. I thought, I don't know, it was really interesting to uh, get an actual take from a senator rather than seeing statements on TV. Um, It's nice to see that there's people out, representatives out there that actually um, grasp the issues and aren't just after their own agenda entirely. Well, anyways, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to stay tuned for more uh, amazing content such as this. The revolution may not be televised, but we shall podcast Les Renaissance.